Welcome to Smash Everything. I'm Molly. And this week on the show, I am so lucky to have Dr. Rachel Anjo Lee back to share her thoughts on capitalism. If I know two things about Rachel, it's that she's femme and that she doesn't love capitalism. And I'm one of those people who makes a lot of jokes about late capitalism, but hasn't really studied economics in any way whatsoever. Uh, So I'm really excited to hear Rachel's thoughts. And if you disagree or emphatically agree and want to add on, you can always reach us at smasheverythingpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. You can post or send messages there. You can also tweet at me, send me an Instagram message, whatever you want to do. Speaking of which, have you heard that we are starting a new podcast I'm very stoked about it. It's going to be like this one, except for more focused, really exciting guests, really beautiful artwork, really badass theme song. And in order to make all of that happen, I have spent a lot of money already (laughs) and it's kind of scary. So if you're stoked on this new podcast, uh, if you could think about possibly maybe uh, becoming a Patreon donor or putting a one-time donation into PayPal, that would really help me out a lot. Similarly, if you work for a business or organization that might want to sponsor a podcast, specifically one that focuses on gender and queerness, I would love to talk to you so much. Or if you just like literally have any idea how to pay for a podcast, uh, please contact me because I'm jumping in and uh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, but I'm going to do it because I love you and I want to give you all of this cool, cool stuff. We've already recorded a couple of interviews for the new podcast and it is so good. I cannot wait to share it with you. But in the meantime, we have this podcast, which is also good, right? And if you're coming here and you haven't listened to all the episodes yet, I don't know how long I will host them because that also costs money. So like just binge listen the crap out of this and then get excited for the new show. That's all. I love you very much. I hope you have a good week. Here's Rachel. Well, thanks so much for coming back on the show. I always really appreciate having you here because you're so full of feminist wisdom. Uh, I really wanted to smash capitalism and uh, you are one of the best people I could think of to talk to about it because I know that you're really excited about feminist Marxism or Marxist feminism rather. See, I don't know anything about it. I don't even know which order the words go into. (laughs) So we're definitely going to want to get into that and sort of alternatives to capitalism. But can you start just by saying like what capitalism is and also what late capitalism is because that's a term that's floating around a lot in memes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, first, thank you for having me back on. I love being on your show mm-hmm. and I love your show, so it's always an honor to be a guest. Um, so capitalism, uh, it is an ideology of that inspires our current economic system that relies – on the concept that a small number of people own the means of production and that workers uh, create the labor that enables those things to be produced and that the profit that is created from the surplus profit of off of that labor um, goes to those owners of the means of production. So it is a very hierarchical system that relies on a small number of people making decisions about how um, products, et cetera, and services uh, are created and they benefit economically and financially uh, above the workers who actually do the work. 
so that's a very sort of reductionist view of what it is. That's just like the bare basics. Uh, obviously, it manifests in a variety of ways. Um, and that is, I think, what these memes are are talking about is one of those sort of iterations. Uh, I've, I've read some things about people kind of rolling their eyes about the use of late capitalism. Um, some people would argue that because Marx and Engels and, uh, you know, I should so Karl Marx and and Frederick Engels wrote uh, a lot of things against capitalism. And one of the things that they predicted is that it would basically implode itself and that that would be the moment in which the sort of worker revolution um, should take place. So I think for some people, the the idea of talking about late capitalism um, is maybe an optimistic gesture that perhaps we are nearing that implosion. Um, I think for others, it's uh, it marks a sort of turn uh, from a traditional understanding of bosses and workers as physical bodies, workers being physical bodies versus um, the sort of technological shift that we're seeing and uh, understanding work dynamics and the exploitation of labor becomes more complicated when we have a very um, techno- uh, there's a word that that isn't coming to me, but basically uh, a landscape of of production that is that is tech based rather than human body based. Um, so I think that's also uh, what some people are referring to. And then also I just think it's just like what people like to put on memes because it sounds a little mm-hmm. a little catchier. So totally, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sidetrack us right up at the top here because I was reading an article yesterday from I think Mother Jones about how robots are going to take all of our jobs. So we need to yeah. move towards universal basic income. Did you read that article or have you heard that argument? I've heard that argument. I didn't see the one in, in Mother Jones. And I've I, it's it's very interesting. Um, I think it's a very interesting argument. And I've heard uh, people sort of like deep in the labor movement and or sort of economic left theory world um, talking about the pros and cons of universal income and the notion of whether or not like the shift to robots is actually ultimately a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something, you know, I'm endlessly interested in and fascinated by conversations about what constitutes work. And I think um, what is difficult about labor organizing and people who are interested in honoring and trying to give more to workers and laborers who create wealth um is that on the one hand, there's like this sort of discourse around being really proud of human bodies doing productive work. And it's like that's like the basis of the labor movement is like we should respect these hotel cleaners who break their back moving, flipping mattresses. We should um, uh, respect the fast food service worker who is, you know, doing, dig- you know, has a dignified who is a dignified person and should get respect and dignity for the work that that he that they're doing. Um and also, there is discourse on the left about how, like, fuck that. Like, fuck being valued for what you do to produce in the economy. Um, I actually got a lovely postcard from you that reminded me <laughs> that I am more than the value of – now I'm going to forget the wording. But basically, we as human beings are worth more than what, what we do to, to create profit for, for the, the economy and the bosses in particular. And so – it's really interesting when you start getting into those conversations um, because I think the former is a really powerful way for the labor movement to get workers 
at least a living wage. Um, but the latter, I think, is sort of important if we're thinking about sort of our utopic, <laughs> you know, our utopias that, that we're all trying to, well, those of us on the left who are invested in, you know, creating a better world, um, you know, thinking more broadly about what it means to fight for, um, well, against labor exploitation. Yeah, that was something that I thought was really interesting in the article that I read and others as well, talking about how eventually we may get to the point where most jobs are automated, which could lead to this golden age where folks don't have to work if they don't want to or are unable to and everyone has this like assured basic income. And so there's a lot more space for like creativity and experimentation and play. Um, but between now and then, like the economic classes would get even more stratified because the folks that owned the robots would be the only ones like, uh, you know, um, obtaining any kind of income. Right. <laughs> because I right. Exactly. It. So that was right. interesting. But anyway, we can talk about robots later. Um, I was wondering, <laughs> so in my personal experience, I was radicalized on Tumblr and I learned a lot about feminism and gender and sexuality and race and all of these things way before um, anyone ever, I, or sorry, way before I ever saw anyone question capitalism, capitalism kind mm. of came last to me. And when mm. it happened, I was in my early 20s and I was like, oh, why did it never occur to me for 20 years to question capitalism? And it seems really mm. wild today that there was a time where it just didn't occur to me to question capitalism. So so I'm <laughs> right. wondering um, when the first time was that you questioned capitalism and like what critiques you had then and what critiques you have now? Great question. Um, and I think that's a really interesting observation about Tumblr as well. Uh, so I grew up poor. Um, I have a single mom and we were on food stamps on and off. And um, I was definitely the, the poorest person I knew uh, in my friend group for, for, the, for the most part. Um, and so I understood sort of economic hardship pretty early on. My mom and, and the, my other family members in my life worked endlessly hard to try to make sure I didn't go without the same things that my friends had um, as much as they could. But that, uh, you know, was impossible in, in some ways um, for certain for certain things. So I very much understood that that was a real thing that existed. Um, I didn't I certainly didn't have a vocabulary or an analysis of um, the system being the problem. Uh, I didn't really blame my mom either. I just was like, some people are poor and it fucking sucks and mm -hmm. some people aren't. And that's, that's that. Um, when I got to college, I became pretty quickly involved with a really radical left activist organization. Uh, and right away started hearing people, uh, talk about capitalism. One of my mentors and very dear friends, every time you would ask them, um, I'm from forgetting he had like a catchphrase and it was like uh he it was something like you know how are you doing Giuseppe and he'd be like uh well cap or, or like what's up Giuseppe and he'd be like well capitalism is up and it's bringing me down or something <laughs> so like it was like right away it was like that that was the analysis it was you know and admittedly it was a lot of um men it was a lot of leftist men who were very invested in sort of old school left labor movement um culture, which is how, which was really my entry point after anti-war activist work, which I did in high school. Um, my real entry point into like activist uh, life was through this sort of like labor culture, uh, anti-capitalist analysis, which I'm mostly incredibly grateful for. But it's interesting because I actually there was certainly discussion like intersectional discussion about race and gender and sexuality to an extent. But largely we 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 talked and thought about about capitalism. Um so 
another, I, I think, but I still, even, you know, at 18 and 19 years old when I was in that organization and starting to get it, I still wasn't able to make the connection to my own life. And and I remember going to a student's um Students Against, I'm blanking on the name, Students Against Sweatshops or something, uh, conference, and there was a working class caucus. And one of my friends in our activist group was like, you should go to that caucus. And I was like, oh, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not working class. And he's like, you always talk about your mom, like, struggling and, like, you know, growing up poor. And I was like, yeah, but she, like, didn't work in a factory. <laughs> and, and like, everybody, like, laughed. And, like, I really thought, like, I had this conception of the working class that it was, like, an old white guy and, like, working on cars and, like, on an mm-hmm. assembly line. And that's yeah. not what my mom did. And and so that is when I was, like, oh. And then, and script, this person's name was Scribbler. And he was, like, does she own the means of production? <laughs> and I was, like, no. And he's, like, then she's working class. And I was, like, oh, okay. And um, so that's when I uh, got pushed into, like, understanding working class um, culture, identity, and what that meant economically more broadly and um, realized – at that point, like, oh, like, we've been fucked over by the system this whole time. Like, I understand um, because it became very clear to me that, you know, my mom is 100 percent hands down the hardest working person I know. You know, she's worked two to three jobs at a time. Um, shitty, shitty, shitty jobs that I, like, could never imagine lasting two days at, let alone the years and years that she's been doing this. And uh, and yet we have this discourse in in the US about hard work getting you ahead and it all of this all these pieces started to come in together and it was like oh like the idea of hard work is subjective and also the american dream is a lie and like you know my mom's hard work doesn't count like that doesn't count as like hard work that actually will allow you to like pull yourself up by these bootstraps um and that also the whole idea of bootstraps is a lie and a myth also so, yeah, that was sort of some of the – that was kind of the evolution of that. Yeah, because I remember – like, I am young, and I remember reading an article that was shocked because they were like, did you know that you can work full-time at Walmart, was the example, and still qualify for food stamps, like, still be living in relative poverty? And I was just like, yeah, of course. And I didn't realize that, like, in ye olden days, like, the baby right. boomer generation, right. like, you were supposed to be able to support a family <laughs> right. on full-time work. Like, that makes intuitive sense, but I've been raised in such, like – and we all have been raised in such a wild atmosphere that I'm like, yeah, of course, if you work like a minimum wage job, you can't support yourself. Right, right. <laughs> like, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think the most common example these days of the perils of American capitalism in 2K17 is like the amount of GoFundMes for, mm-hmm. you know, because people can't afford healthcare, which is the confluence of like the extremely high healthcare prices and our extremely low wages. But I saw a tweet yesterday that said like everyone in America can buy a gun, but no one can afford to get shot. And it was just this list of Mm. all these folks who were like raising money after the recent shooting in Las Vegas and no one could afford to pay their bills for being shot. Right. Um, Right. So yeah. Yeah. So there's some bad, there's some bad things about capitalism. And I'm wondering what alternatives there are to capitalism, because something I hear from a lot of older folks when I make a joke about capitalism being bad is they'll be like, well, you know, it has pros and cons, but it's the best that we have or like it's what we have. So what else could we have? 
Uh, we could have socialism and lead that into communism. Um, or you could stop at socialism. So, I mean, I'd be okay with that too. Um, can you define the difference between socialism and communism? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make this, this sound coherent. So basically Marx talked about socialism as the sort of midpoint between capitalism and communism. And socialism is about social ownership and like democratic control of the means of production um and then communism is sort of that to the extreme in that everybody owns everything like there's no there is everything is equally distributed and his famous phrase is that you're paid from each or or that you're from each according to his ability to each according to his needs so you basically Mm -hmm. get whatever you need um and that, you know, has not admittedly been entirely successful yet. And so what what exactly that could look like and mean is what all of us who are invested in some version of Marxism are sort of trying to figure out. Um, but in general, both of those things are saying instead of this model where there's this few number of people who own the means of production and then profit off of, 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 the, of the labor, that we're actually going to value the people who create who create to do that work and everybody's going to have um a piece of that distributed uh in communism i mean equally really um and or equitably that's that's more um that's more what this is about it's like if you need more than you would get more for whatever reason you know a gun if you got attacked by a gun like you should you should have more because you're gonna have a a hospital bill or, or what have you um so so that's I think and that's I think those are some misconceptions is that it would be like potentially, you know, everybody would just be split. Every, you know, if everybody got the exact same paycheck, then nobody could ever make more money. And that's just I mean, in the attempts at having socialist societies, uh, that hasn't been the case. Like Cuba, for example, is still um, largely socialist and uh, you know, there are people who own restaurants and create, I mean, there's fucking amazing art and music coming out of Cuba. That's another thing that's like really fucking enraging, uh, about proponents of capitalism who say that it like inspires innovation and creativity as though like human beings wouldn't be innovative and creative if they weren't like quote unquote forced to like most art. I mean, we know, we know a lot of artists, like most artists we know aren't doing it because they're making a shit ton of money out of it. They're doing it because Mm -hmm. like they love it. And so, you know, you can there there can still be like robust, diverse, exciting, creative, innovative business minded life um, in that in a post-capitalist system. Uh, It just wouldn't be reliant on profit because you would already have what you need to live. Um, So, yeah, that wasn't that that maybe wasn't as clear as it as it should be, partly because, um, you know, again, it's hard to paint that picture as as specifically as as I think many communist uh, sympathetic folks would like to, because it it hasn't totally worked yet. But there's mm-hmm. this is this is also, I mean, something I'll say in relation to the the sort of idea of intersectionality and thinking about these other sort of um, means of oppression is that a lot of a lot of left movements today are are thinking more about gender race sexuality um ability etc and mm-hmm. 
that has often been a critique of these failed, quote unquote, failed communist um, revolutions is that they've been really, uh, you know, uh, masculinist and potentially racist. But that sort of depends on geographically where where we're where we're looking at. Um, And then I also just want to say real quick, like. People talk about those as failed revolutions and talk about capitalism as though it's not a failure, which is just <laughs> bananas to me. Like, it's not a failure yeah. for rich people, period. Like, it is, a, it is a disgusting, horrifying failure for people like my mom and so many other, so many other poor people like her as oh, well. Yeah. So I hope that was Absolutely. clear-ish. I think it was. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like it was inspiring to know that it's still being worked on. Uh, yeah. because I think that was my question was like well what exactly would it look like and then I'm like oh we're we're, we're still figuring it out yeah. like that's actually positive to me yeah Good. yeah yeah so for sure cool so speaking of intersectionality uh if you google feminism and capitalism you'll see like seven or eight articles that say like feminists cannot be capitalists and then like two or three articles that say like capitalism and feminism go hand in hand <laughs> and so what is your take on feminism and capitalism Oh, that's that's so interesting, those Google results. Um, I mean, feminism has been wildly co-opted by capitalism. So clearly they work out together because we have things like girl hashtag girl boss and like my favorite position is CEO and like all of these things <laughs> that are like trying to use female, you know, quote unquote female empowerment as um, and, you know, of course, those kinds of things are talking about what they you know cis women basically um usually cis white women Um, i guess that's the question is like we know that capitalism is profiting off of feminism but can feminism benefit from capitalism well and so this is what um we had i'm thinking back to an episode of uh feminist killjoys which is the podcast i co-host with my friend melody Mm -hmm. who um we had on a woman named emerald uh palat who is who owns uh, a feminist um pin like button making business um, she's a wonderful artist, and I was thinking back to her episode when you asked this question. And you know, we all live under capitalism, and we all have to find a way to survive under capitalism. And so, I'm not a person who's like fuck feminist businesses for trying to like make a buck off of off right. of empowerment, um, particularly when it's like an individual human feminist that I know. You know, Emerald's a you know a feminist woman of color and it's like yeah I actually fucking want to support her and like as long as we're living under capitalism I think I'm very proud and excited of my feminist friends who are business owners because they they are they are benefiting under the system in the system that we have and most of those people that I know our friend Lacey included uh, are doing things like donating money or you know doing fundraiser classes or whatever the case may be Um, so using that that privilege of being an owner um, for good and so as long as we're living under this system I don't begrudge people who want to use feminism as part of a project I mean I fucking do that we make you know I mean we don't really pocket any of the money from our podcast, but we do rate, you know, we, we have a Patreon for our feminist podcast. So it's, um, you know, we're, we're part of this, you know, money making, I suppose, um, uh, it, it, you know, context, we we're, we're part of this environment. Um, so, so that's sort of just like a comment. Like I, I don't begrudge people for trying to do that. And I think if, if I know a person is like a solid feminist, like I'm, I'm probably going to want to support that business. Um, 
And also, like, I think that's not the end goal. Like, that is 100% not the end goal. It, it is not um, – it's, it's not part of my sort of Marxist feminist dream to have – if only – all businesses were owned by feminists, then things would be okay. <laughs> and it's like, no, because that same uh, that same hierarchical system of somebody at the top making more money than people at the bottom still exists, and that's not that's not liberatory. And that is, um, I think, a dramatic difference between sort of like Hillary Clinton style feminism and liberalism in general is mm-hmm. invested in empowering. Some types of oppression oppress people and communities, but still within the structure of capitalism. Totally. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've talked about on other episodes of our podcast as well, but it is really frustrating to me to see people critique feminists and other folks that are trying to do good under capitalism because they are trying to make money because like we all do live under capitalism and we all still have to survive and when I see people who are charging money for their work and they're like proud intersectional feminists people are like oh well why are you charging money for this you should be giving it away and it's like yeah but also we need to live like I know that Lacey would love to make her gym free but she also needs to like pay her rent and feed herself right exactly um and I just I don't hear critiques of straight white right. cis men them saying like why aren't they giving all of their services away for free no one's asking that from them I, know. I mean all of the I'm not saying this is correct but all of the businesses that I can think of off the top of my head that give away a portion of their proceeds to charities and nonprofits are run by women yep. are run by feminists yep. and so why aren't we going to the businesses that are run by like capitalist white men and being like you need to give stuff away for free right you need to give a portion of your profits to charity we don't do that right. and it's very frustrating um And another critique specifically of like the way that our businesses are set up is that apparently there's like a thing if you're a C corporation, which almost all corporations are, that you have to, or sorry, if you're like publicly held in the stock market, Mm -hmm. where like you have to prioritize profits above everything else. Mm. It's like in the rules. So there's this new thing called a B corporation. Um, and there's like a few dozen of them around where you actually are allowed to prioritize the benefit of the community wow. over your profits. Wow. And like, so the grocery store that I shop at, you're allowed to prioritize the community and like there are other things. So if you see B Corp, I've heard people that are like, oh, I don't think that's a real thing. It's super real. Try to buy from B Corps because cool. they're the only ones that are allowed to not prioritize profits. Wow. And like, you know, above like being not evil. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard of that. Um, Thank you for, for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, that's it is. It's fascinating. And that is you know, obviously one of the biggest critiques of capitalism is that it, it is a, a profit-driven system that, that does value profit above, um, you know, hu- human value and also nature and the environment, um, which is something mm-hmm. that has been utterly destroyed under capitalism. Like, our environmental issues are a result of capitalism, per- like, almost period, hands down, almost entirely, um, which is horrifying. Totally. So I have been in a few conversations where I was trying to describe like the groups of people that I'm around professionally versus the groups of people that I'm around like in my free time. And my therapist was like, oh, well, like professionally, you're just around a lot of neoliberalism. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's right. Mm -hmm. So can you define neoliberalism and like compare it to like leftists, for example? Yeah. So neoliberalism is it's used it it's used in very broadly in a lot of different ways and academics love to use it like all the time. So what it's describing, and maybe this relates also to your sort of late capitalism question, this is 
a shift to prioritizing privatization. Um, I think that's sort of the the simple, most boiled down way we can talk about it. So we have, and it's it's sort of a a pushing of uh, liberalism has always been not anti-capitalist. I mean, liberalism as a, as a theory is about individualism and freedom, and which is also related to, to capitalism. But I think what we're seeing when people are now talking about neoliberalism more, and you know, a lot of there were a lot of critiques railed against Obama on the left for being you know super neoliberal, is that even as a sort of quote unquote progressive, he was still he and many other liberals. Um, are still very invested in the sort of push to privatization. So, you know, we mm-hmm. um, we had an iteration of welfare at one point in the U.S. that was um, d- dramatically more expansive than what we have now. And it also wasn't discursively constructed as like a thing that like, quote unquote, welfare queen leeches, you know, suck off the system from. Um you know, in England has has uh, has a for all intents and purposes a welfare state, but it's also sort of under the confines of a more neoliberal push, which means that this idea of the sort of social safety net becomes weaker and weaker. And so, what most people are talking about when they're talking about living in like sort of a neoliberal era is this push to privatization. And that's so that's like the more, most specific version of or like definition of what neoliberalism is. It's mm-hmm. it's used more broadly. I think I think probably what your therapist was saying was sort of like conservative leaning. Well, not, not even conservative, but uh, liberals who don't have an analysis of, you right. know, structural economic issues um, is, is one way to think of it. Uh, you know, and it's also. I mean, it's it's it, like I said, it's used. Academics fucking love using this. So you could even talk about like, um, you know, reality television as like a neoliberal turn in entertainment because we're, uh, for example, shows like The Biggest Loser teach us to take responsibility for ourselves um, as individuals and to blame ourselves, our you know, our individual selves for any sort of failure, um, versus looking at what society and structures do to to cause and you know and I'm obviously not saying that um there's a problem with anybody on the biggest loser at all but this is sort of Mm -hmm. this is sort of an analysis of it's like you have a problem as an individual whether it's because we're saying your problem is you know this concept that fat equals a problem which of course is fucked um but let's say that that's what the tv show is saying you have a problem the problem is that you are fat it is located in your body and your individual choices period and the same thing applies to you have a problem, you are poor, and the problem is located in your body and your individual choices, period. Versus saying, oh, what is what is the system and the and the environment doing to create this and and you know, I would again not say that this is the case and I'm using this reality TV show example because I come from a media studies program and they fucking love talking about neoliberal reality television. So mm-hmm. so that's that. But but in the case of poverty, you know, that's it's a very neoliberal analysis to say it's your individual responsibility to to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Totally. Actually, this is another side note, but just speaking of therapy, I've like had a really radical difference in being with therapists who were like, well, everything is your fault and every not your fault, but you know, like everything right. comes from you and everything starts and ends with you versus like 
therapists that are like it's about the system totally. like some of the most useful times i have at therapy is when he's like yeah the world around you is fucked you're fine right, and i'm right. just like oh great right, right. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so and like what you talked about you know that comes back to like what you talked about like with capitalism and then relating it to your own family and being like oh like we were just like completely screwed over by the system yeah. it wasn't like yeah yeah exactly all right well here's a question that you can take really quickly if you want sure <laughs> are there any situations in which the free market is good Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you can just say no if that's how you feel I mean uh, look I uh, like I'm not I'm not gonna say you know that we haven't witnessed some company creating a better service or product because of competition and that is like capital you know that's what capitalism like fucking jerks off about being so good at is like <laughs> like oh look somebody did something better because of competition see and it's like but do i fucking care that like the like do we fucking need an iphone with a better camera like no like i'd be fine without that and even if even if mm-hmm. we were in a communist society we could still somebody would have fucking figured out the iphone with a better camera like i have no doubt <laughs> but you know that's i mean but sure like in theory i know that the free market has done that like i know that um you know whatever i don't know think of some products you like or some store you like and you're like yeah okay that mm-hmm. might have been a result of like free market competition pushing somebody to think of that maybe um but also like I don't think that's necessary for those things to happen right so yeah yeah all right so as I stumbled through in the beginning you identify as a Marxist feminist Mm -hmm. is that correct that's correct can you talk about what that means yeah um uh, and I think it's so interesting because as I as you we described in the beginning, like my entry point into politics and activism was through people who were invested in economics. And so it's kind of no wonder that that's kind of like the, the how I sort of identify. And basically it's, it's f- feminism, understanding feminism through the lens of the economic system. And so it's taking, it's doing the exact opposite of the neoliberal feminist, right? It's like, it is taking into account that oppression of all people, whether it's women, non-binary folks, uh, pe- you know, black, indigenous people of color, et cetera, um, queer folks, et cetera, that we can't look at oppression on any identity without thinking about it in the context of our of our economic system. And that's not to be, a cl- you know, a lot of critiques against Marxism is that it's class reductionist and doesn't think about identity. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Marxist feminism is that it inherently looks at both, right? And of course, you know, any good feminism is going to be intersectional beyond categories of gender as well. And so for me, what Marxist feminism means is that I can't be a feminist without also being an anti-capitalist because it just it doesn't for for me if i'm invested in the liberation of oppressed people i have to be invested in the abolition of capitalism totally wow well once again i feel like we have sort of tricked you into giving an entire semester's <laughs> worth of education in half an hour so thank you so much for taking the time to do this i really really appreciate absolutely. it absolutely thank you again for inviting me i love talking yeah. about this so yeah yeah is there anything else you want to say about capitalism or are there any resources you'd like to recommend or other folks to check out um i mean you can go read karl marx i mean he's fun <laughs> um <laughs> I feel like you're like, let me Google that right. for you. You're like, well, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> um, but 
um, maybe I'll. Uh, I should have had had more things prepared, but um, you know, for this oh, audience no. in particular, I can think of some things like. Uh, po- like right after Karl Marx I really like Antonio Gramsci as like a person who's sort of like a Marxist but takes Marx and sort of um, I think he's a little easier to read and I think he does some really cool things and important things so he's another like older Marxist that might be fun to read for folks and then um, in terms of Marxist feminism Sylvia Federici is really cool Kathy Weeks is really cool um, and then there's some really cool Marxist feminists on the internet so just like Google Google them there's some cool sex worker Marxist feminists I'll send I'll send Molly some some links and they can post it on the Great. on the show notes Um I, that was for your audience. I was just like third yes. person to you. Sorry. Um, no, that was – don't be sorry. And uh, yeah, so – but I guess the biggest – the sort of final final word, big takeaway is like if you're invested in reducing harm to communities that are harmed, um, you have to think about how economic systems harm people. Yeah. yeah. Well – Thanks so much for being here. Totally. And if listeners want to hear more very, very smart thoughts from Rachel, you can listen to her on Feminist Killjoy's PhD every week. Yep. Thank you. I, if they want to, if they haven't heard your podcast before, I want to recommend that you did a witch month for Halloween, and I learned so much Yay. about witches. So did I. So that's also yeah. fun. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Cool. Thanks, Molly. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye.